Good afternoon. We're here for Pet Chat. Cheryl Shaw, welcome to you. Thank you, Sarah. It's lovely to be here. Paul McCarthy, wonderful to have you here as well. Thank you. Always a pleasure. We're talking about teeth today. Absolutely. Dental hygiene and making sure you're brushing your dog's teeth. Because a lot of people still say, huh? Yeah. I've got to brush the dog's teeth. Mm. But you do. You should. Dental care. We hear time and time again how important it is for us, obviously, doing the six-month or annual checkups, but it's very important for our dogs as well. Absolutely, Sarah. Look, dogs still need to have checkups just like us, so they need to go off to the vet, make sure that their mouth is all clean and everything's looking healthy. And usually at your annual um, checkup, your vet will check in the mouth just to see what's going on. That's sort of one of the normal things for a vet practice to do, isn't it, Paul? Mm, absolutely. I started at the nose. At so. the nose. <laughs> yeah, work my way back. <laughs> so one of the things that at home you can be very aware of, if you go and take a look in your dog's mouth and have a smell, because sometimes you know it's that really bad doggy odour that can be an indicator that things aren't going so well. So having a look, just check if you can, if you, if there looks like there's tartar and there's odour, you need to get your dog to the vet. It may have been a while since you've been. So making sure that um, you get them checked because things that can go really wrong very, very quickly. So what happens, the plaque builds up on the teeth and then that calcifies and it goes down into the, into the gums and into that gingival margin. And it actually becomes periodontal disease. So often people don't realise what's going on. They just think, oh, my dog's got a little bit of brown marking. But that can be really serious. So they can obviously have things like, you know, a tooth that gets cracked. They can get dental caries, just like us. But the other thing is that often we don't realise they're in pain and discomfort because we haven't checked or they haven't been to the vet to get checked. So sometimes things can be happening. You may notice that your dog's not eating properly or it's hesitant to eat. And it may be because there's pain there. So making sure that, um, you know, if if you notice anything, you might notice that, you know, they're drooling or they've got nasal discharge or some facial swelling off to the vet because there could be a problem. Now, Paul, I know one time I had my Archie had um, a swollen face because he had cracked his tooth and that Mm. was um, not what I was expecting. I thought he had an infection in his eye. Yes, and it's a really common scenario. So the roots of the very last carnassial, the very big tooth on the top, extend almost to the base of the eye. So if you get a tooth root abscess where the a, a crack in the tooth has allowed oral bacteria to sort of migrate up to that root, what then happens is that the, the bacteria sort of form a, a, an abscess, eat the bone away, and then that causes the face to swell. So we commonly get these people bringing um, their pets in thinking that they may have been stung by a bee or perhaps there's a, a tumour there. And in actual fact, you open the lip up and you can see the crack in the tooth and, and realise pretty quickly it's a, a tooth root abscess. It's probably one of the most common things we see in veterinary science are tooth root abscesses. Yeah, and a lot of that can actually be a result of what the dog is being fed. Mm-hmm. I know that um, those deer antlers are really popular for people and I always say oh please don't use those because they are so hard that often when a dog bites into those they can cause that's right I think they're one of those things where if you've got a dog who really enjoys breaking down an object rather than gnawing sideways you're looking to crack those teeth fairly easily on an antler yeah Yeah. and the other thing is that um Bad dental hygiene can actually affect the dog's overall health, can't it? Exactly. Because if you imagine, if you've got bacteria in your mouth all the time, you're inhaling that bacteria. So it not only can get into the lung, but also then via the alveoli gets into the bloodstream. And so quite commonly we can get diseases such as um, valve disease in the heart, where you can get an endocarditis from bacteria from the mouth. 
Um, it can cause pyelonephritis, kidney kidney infections, um, as well as causing just general gastroenteritis because you're getting that bacteria into the bloodstream all the time. Yeah, and one of the things that people can actually do at home is actually brush the teeth. Mm-hmm. And, and if they're being aware of what's going on in the mouth, it makes things a lot simpler. So a little toothbrush, you can get dog toothbrushes and dog toothpaste. Don't use human toothpaste because no, it contains um, xylitol, which is um, very toxic to, to dogs. So making sure that you're using a, a pet-friendly toothpaste and a, a toothbrush. If you're not really good with your dexterity, there are little finger, finger gloves. Yeah. yeah, they're great. And that That's means, a good idea. Yeah, yeah, Sarah, yeah, they're really great. They just go over your finger, so it means that you can actually get into the dog's mouth, into places just by rubbing your finger. If you start off and your dog's hesitant, you know, just do a little bit of a time. You don't want to sort of stress the dog out, but certainly trying to brush the teeth will help a lot, but it gives you that awareness of what's going on. And brushing the gum as well, sort of get that gum brushed because it's where that bacteria sits and makes those little pockets where the bacteria can get in and cause a problem. And it's doing it on that daily basis, as you mentioned, Cheryl, it's important. So we often hear when we have clients asking about dental health, oh, I give my dog a greenie or a dog chew, which, and I think they're doing a great job, and I say, how often? Oh, maybe once a week or every couple of weeks. Mm. And, and the problem is that for that one day, they've made a difference. But for the rest of the time period, there is that plaque building up. Yeah. And so it's about the routine um, oral care rather than just doing it on a sort of ad hoc basis or oh, the dog breast smell I'll just maybe give a chew today it's about trying to do that prophylaxis prevention is far better than cure for oral disease yeah. and it was interesting that you said it can build up quite quickly Cheryl um, you know for example you, you think your dog's mouth looking good and then all of a sudden oh no hang on that's mm. that yeah. sort of sprung out from nowhere <laughs> and know? a lot of sticky food stuffs that people feed you know there's different brands of, of treats that are quite um, you know when the dog eats and they sit around the teeth just like lollies for us. You know, we need to be careful what yeah. we're giving. So some treats aren't so great. They're actually contributing to that dental problem. Okay, so brush teeth, get the dog uh, checked or, or your pets checked for, for the dental care. And, um, and that's a good point, Sarah, because often um, people think if they start brushing the already calcified mm. plaque away, that that's going to fix it. Um, and it might prevent more from forming, but it doesn't remove the root cause. So okay. often... Dental prophylaxis is best done after you've had those teeth cleaned. All right, yes. some good points there. Now, we've had an email question come in. Uh, it was Jane from Lampton, and she wants to know her dog is starting to limp. She can't see anything in the foot, but it started to develop a limp, and she wants to know your thoughts on that, Paul. Sure, okay. So, look, limping is a very common um, clinical sign we see in, in lots of pets, and so the first thing to always think about is the age of a dog. So different causes for lameness are more likely in different breeds and different different ages. So if you've got an older dog who's limping, we tend to think more about things like degenerative joint disease or arthritis. Um, And in the larger breeds, the older larger breeds, we're thinking about elbow and hip dysplasia. Now, in the young dogs who are are limping, we're much more thinking about, as you mentioned, things caught, so foreign bodies. And at this time of year and moving forward, we've been having some grass seeds come through. We've been having lots of bindies and different things that have been caught in paws. And as you would know, Cheryl, those um, feathered paws that that love to sort of almost attract bindies and and, and thistles, Um, commonly those will work towards the actual base of the central pad 
And because of the way they're shaped, they often keep pushing in rather than allowing it to push back out. So for like acute onset versus chronic lameness as well. So if you've got a dog that's been limping and it's been happening for some time, it's much more likely to be ligament, tendon or bone. If you've got, I was fine yesterday, I'm now really limping today, we're thinking much more like perhaps there's been an injury that may have damaged a ligament or a tendon. Um, and they're the ones that are really important to get checked. A very common cause for limping, particularly in large breed dogs on back legs, is cruciate disease. And you will have heard of this in um, rugby league footballers, for example, Mm. commonly do their cruciates. Um, Dogs do the same. And we see lots of those large breed dogs who may suddenly have been turning for a ball and then started limping. Um, think cruciate injury for those. So, Paul, it's not something that we should assume, oh, it's a sprain, it'll get better. It's something that we need to to address pretty much straight away. Yeah, my advice to clients generally is that if you've got a non-weight-bearing lameness, so your dog was walking one minute and now isn't, that's an important thing to get checked at ASAP. If you've been out exercising and the next morning your dog is a bit lame, a bit sore on one leg or a bit slow to rise, that could be an opportunity to watch for 24 hours and rest. Um, But it's really looking for how much of an effect it has on your dog's quality of life. So if you've got a dog that is unable to move, it's on three legs, then that's obviously an emergency and needs to be booked in. For older dogs who may have a degree of arthritis who may jar their limb from doing some activity or or may, for example, have done more stair work one day than the next, often those will improve with some rest. But it's always a good idea if you have got a dog with arthritic disease, there are lots of new medications and different formulations we can use to help those dogs. And it's often really good to talk to your vet about the new products coming through because lots of older dogs are benefiting from the fact that humans get arthritis as well. And some of the medications used in in human medication is now coming down to veterinary science as well, which is great. How common is it that a dog may have something in the pad or, you know, that's what's causing the problem? And how easy is it to sort of find that issue? Yeah, look, uh, see, that's an excellent question because we've had a couple this week. So foreign bodies, particularly glass, are very common. Um, and the problem with glass commonly is that you won't see the entry port. Ah, okay, it'll okay. enter, it'll be quite a small slither, and then the actual outside will heal. But you'll be out of field with palpation, either pressure pain, so you put pressure on the area and the dog immediately withdraws, mm. Or you can sometimes get um, redness and swelling. And so they're often indicators. The big one are grass seeds. And disappoint- so they get embedded. Yeah. And the way the grass seed awn is shaped is it's got these little sort of almost hooks behind the grass seed, which is how they then move on animals around the area and be deposited. Gotcha. But if they go in through the skin, they can't back out. And so generally it requires surgery to remove those. Right. So it's something we really need to be getting Yeah, checked, yeah, be very conscious a, about yeah, that, particularly to move into the summer. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go to the phones now. Jason in Swansea, you've got a pet bird and a question for Paul about that. Yeah, how are you going? Very well, thank you, Jason. That's good, mate. I've got a uh, pied lorikeet. Mm-hmm. A long story short, she's got a, a sore foot now. It happened, she was injured, she got stuck in a little house, we left her in care with a friend, and uh, she got stuck in a little house she'd got by a thread, and she spent a couple of days in there without food and water, and uh, she's jumping around in that now, she seems alright, but her foot's still swollen, there's no external injuries, she favours the foot badly, Mm. Um, it was really black when I first freed it, 
and it went back to nearly a normal colour, but now it's discoloured a bit again. Yeah. And uh, she favours it really bad, and it's swollen at the top between her toes. Yeah. Okay, Jason, this is a, a, a bird that really needs to see your local vet. So, That's what I was wondering, if yeah. we should take it in or not, if there's a Absolutely. So what you initially saw with that swelling was that there will have been compromised blood flow to the actual um, nails and the, and the toes on that foot. So that's why it had gone black. Now, what often happens is that you're correcting that once that circulation is re-established, the, 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 the pore is released from being trapped, the foot has already had damage done to those vessels and sometimes those little veins in the toe in particular were what we call thrombos. So the, the, there's clots that have formed in those little tiny veins and they don't restart again. So what then happens is that the tissue dies, the muscle around that was supposed to be supplied by that blood supply is now not able to be supplied, that muscle dies and the nerve function then is also compromised. Now, the big problem for you coming forward from here is that if the area becomes too, um, uh, what we call necrotic or dead before you seek attention, is that the bird will start to self-traumatise the area. So, so birds who feel that there is an abnormal area on them very commonly start to use their beak to, to uh, you know, attack that area. So I would, str- yeah, I'd strongly advise that the bird be seen. Um, and as a heads up, if it's dark, you may be looking at amputation of those digits or possibly even the, por- uh, the, the, the whole foot. Okay. All yeah, right. this, is, this is fairly serious stuff that's happened to that, that leg. Perfecto. Yeah, good good, good luck, on you Jason. for calling, Jason, right. and um, yeah, getting that sorted out. So I was going to say, Paul, is there surgery that can rectify Correct. the damage? Or... Yeah, and you'd be amazed how well birds do on one. Okay. They, they, they really are incredibly adaptable creatures. Um, and the most important for those sorts of things, and this applies for lots of, if you discuss amputations, um, the main reason to amputate any limb on any species is to actually take the pain away. That, that's what you're doing with the amputation. And in this circumstance, if that does be what, if what's required, um, don't hesitate to take that, that option because we often get uh, sort of disturbed. With the, will, will the animal be okay on, in this case, one foot or will, will there be a problem if they, if they don't? Um, for dogs and cats, the same. And, and really, these are amazingly adaptable creatures who do really well when the pain's removed. I think we've all possibly seen a one-legged seagull in the past. Yeah, you know, and, yeah, and you absolutely. see how they get around, and oh, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. While we're speaking of birds, it is the Aussie backyard bird count. Have you had time, Paul or Cheryl, to do some counting yet? Mm-hmm. Yes, I started this morning. Yep. I was out there for 20 minutes. Oh, how many birds did you count? Oh, quite a few, actually, Sarah. So oh. I think my total was 42. Well wow. done. But I've got a bush across you the have road. Got a Is that spot. different species or just No, different di- species, but some of the same number. Like there were six um, rainbow lorikeets, and I also saw some eastern rosellas, lots of noisy miners. Eastern noisy miners, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so cool. We were at Nelson Bay on the weekend. It hadn't started yet. I was very disappointed because a kookaburra came and, and sat on the deck, and there were rosellas 
pictures and my son Max oh. just goes nuts. He's got the camera out and we saw the noisy minor birds and I thought, oh, should be counting now. But alas, it wasn't time. We'll have to go back this week. And the noisy miners are on full alert in our place. So a, a magpie, you know, flew past. I'll do my count and they were onto it. They, they mm. were chasing that magpie out. It was sort of swooping down as low as it could get to avoid these swooping birds. <laughs> I almost felt sorry for the poor magpie. I know. Yeah, yeah I always do. It's time for our Dog of the Week, and we would like to introduce Xander. Head to 2NURFM.com. It's our new, or dot .au, actually. Dot .com will get you there, but dot .au now. New website. It's looking mm, It looks fabulous. terrific, Sarah. Yes, there's some great photos on there. And if you click on Pet Chat, you can see Xander. That's a cute pic, isn't I it? I know. Yeah. Oh, look at little Xander. Little ears up. Uh, now, Xander is a sweet-natured 13-week-old male lab cross Rotty. He enjoys playing with soft toys and balls and is always found playing with uh, one either on his own or one of the other dogs. So yeah, he's obviously already good. sharing and playing yeah. well. Yeah. Oh, he's a good boy, isn't he? He loves searching the yard for treats, puzzles. So he's obviously uh, quite intelligent then, Paul, mm, by the yeah, sounds yeah. of this. Yeah, both he's... breeds are both bright dogs, so that's mm, a good choice. How big will this one get? So it depends on whether the lab was is the lab was the mother or the father, because often uh, feet, there's a lot of what we call sexual dimorphism in Labradors. So okay. male Labradors are much larger than females, and a little bit to the degree in the Rottweiler as well. So it often is handy to know what the what the mix was. But in this case, you're probably seeing, probably getting a medium sized dog, I would think, rather than a large breed dog. Okay, uh, as we sort of touched on, he's been socialised with other dogs and children, so he's doing really well with that. He is still a puppy. He's 13 weeks old, so he's still got some puppy behaviour. Uh, he's energetic, and obviously he's going to have to do some puppy training as they all do so you need to make sure you've got time for that he's currently in foster care in maryland Uh, if you are interested in xander please head to 2nurfm.com click on uh, pet chat and look at our dog of the week so now we're going to look at other diseases of the mouth that may not necessarily be teeth that's right Okay. Yeah, so we often, if I have a, a smelly breath, we generally think, ah, oh, it'll be the teeth. Yeah. But there are lots of other causes for smelly breath in oral <gasps> cavities. Oh, Sorry, that song just keeps going. Coming on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was finished. Okay, it's finished now. <laughs> the gift that just keeps giving that song. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sorry. So often um, one of the first things that you'll often notice is that on the lower jaw, there's a little fold on, on both sides called the lip fold. And when in some really sort of hairy jowled dogs, that lip fold can become infected. Uh-huh. And, and so often you'll know that because when you look at it, the skin, or the colour of the coat, the hair, will be brown. And often what we think is you may have beautiful white teeth but still a funny smell and you think, well, maybe it's coming from further down, maybe it's, it's, it's burping that's smelling. But actually if you get your head quite close, you'll smell that it'll be coming from that little fold. It's ah. called lip fold pyoderma, and it's a really common cause for smelly mouths. So what sort of breeds get that in particular? Well, any dog breed, really, where the top lip hangs over the bottom lip like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> demonstrating in the radio station for viewers. I um, hope you saw that through the webcam. <laughs> yeah, but particularly dogs have very hairy mouths. So okay. so particularly dogs like sort of cavaliers we see it very commonly in. So yep. there's a lot of hair, schnauzers in particular. Yep. So there's dogs where they get a lot of sort of moisture in those folds. And um, it's 
fairly easy to correct. Even often, if you use sort of washes on that area very you know, on a regular basis, even dilute iodine washes are really handy for that. And you just sort of flush out the fold. You wipe out okay. that, that discharge, and that'll often clear up the smell very quickly. You can surgically have the fold removed if it's very deep. You can have a, um, a, a plasti done where you actually take the fold away completely. And in some cases, we do that where the smell is really quite um, parlant. But um, a really handy thing to think of is that often we blame the teeth when it's lip fold. The second thing, a more serious situation, is that often cancers will cause smell from the mouth. So cancers of the tongue, lingual tumours and gingival tumours quite commonly will become um, infected secondarily because of the amount of bacteria we have in mouths. And so that can really cause the smell as well. So often they'll be hidden you won't see them behind the teeth or you won't see them under the tongue. Okay. And so often if you've sort of been doing good dental hygiene, the lip fold's looking good, you're still getting some bad breath from that mouth, um, often a good opportunity to lift that, oh, those jaws really wide and have a look underneath the tongue or behind those teeth. And that's where you'll see often these lesions will occur. So what we're saying as well, I guess, Paul, is if there is an odour, bad breath, that there usually is something attributing to that. There's, Correct. There's some, something going on in the yeah. mouth. Yeah. Interestingly, lots of clients seem to think it's because they've eaten something. Yeah, yeah. It's I a, mean, it's, it's a really I'm common, guilty of that. Yeah, it's a really common off a thought is that the dog's eaten something and therefore the breath is bad. And I think that's quite commonly because when humans have really good dental hygiene generally, and so when someone does have bad breath, it often is because they've had, say, a big garlic lunch or yes. onions in their hamburger, yes. whereas dogs don't generally have that much of a variation and, and often don't have food particles that are going to have that strong a smell. So quite commonly it's falsely diagnosed as as bad breath coming from the stomach when actually the smell is localised in that oral cavity or, or, or mouth area. Can dogs get a smell coming from, you know, the gut? They can, yeah, and, and okay. certainly they can. So dogs, particularly if they have high fatty diets, that fat, as it's digested, produces gas, and that gas can have quite a strong smell. And often look, looking at things like charcoal tablets, for example, can be quite handy for dogs who have gas-based smells coming from their stomach, um, in that that sort of charcoal sort of acts to deactivate those smells and help move things along. Um, or look at reducing the amount of fat in your diet so there's less fermentation occurring in the stomach. Can dogs get reflux? They can, esophageal reflux, yeah. particularly um, what we call brachycephalic breeds, those dogs that have squished noses. Okay. Um, they're quite commonly affected by reflux. Do they go on Nexium? Well, you can, absolutely. Anti- yeah, yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah. There you go. You'll be amazed, Sarah, at the number of things that humans get are almost mirrored by our, yes. our, our canines and, and feline species. So there's not many diseases that are specific only to one of those types. We tend to share the same biology and as such, the same things can go wrong. Okay, so yeah, if we're noticing something with our dogs, get it checked because there yeah, is something there, going there's on. Often, and look, and for most of the things we've mentioned today, there, there are cures for these things. So you don't have to live with that smell, particularly if you've got a dog who sleeps next to you on the bed. You, you'd like that, that breath to be fairly fresh. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Same goes for the husband. Uh, that's it today for Pet Chat. We are out of time, but we will be back next week. Thank you, Cheryl Shaw, Paul My McCarthy. Pleasure. Wonderful Thank to have you. you both as always. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.